Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pointcast Recap. I'm your boy Josh. I'm in, I'm in the building here. I've got a bunch of people on my round table today. We're going to have a fun discussion about a lot of different things. I want to go ahead and go around the table, uh, explain who's here, and then we can go ahead and dive into it. So i got my man Anthony here. He's always here with me. He's got lots lots of very interesting opinions. Uh, we got we got the main woman in the building, Francine. Hey. She's in here, sitting in this time. I, I, I'm very interested to see what you think about some of these things. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm always nervous. <laughs> I'm blanking on your name. Frank. Frank, Frank thank James you. Yeah. Thank you, Frank. Uh, oh, yeah. So he's here. He was, he was a recent... Um, interview on the podcast and he's he's back to share a couple of interesting opinions about what we've got going on today so you guys know me i like to start with a poll the friday poll and i think this this last one was a good one although i wish people more people had interacted with it in case uh th- today won't follow the the news stories on pointcast exactly but there's enough of them there that you understand where my thought process is um this Friday poll was actually about Trump and his impeachment charges. Mm-hmm. So we, we all know at this point, at least we should, uh, that Trump was acquitted of all the impeachment charges. And obviously, you know, he's free to run for a second term and all that other good stuff. The important part about the poll is afterward, he didn't apologize or extend what normally happens in Olive Branch uh, to the other party that accused him. Um, the overarching question in this is, do you agree with Trump's actions in that regard? I mean... Uh, no. I, I mean, I voted, I voted, I don't agree. Just because he doesn't realize exactly how divisive impeachment was, and he doesn't realize that one of the reasons, like, why, like, Clinton, like, you apologize to sort of heal the rift that the whole thing has caused. Even if you don't necessarily feel like you have to, like, the presidential thing to do is, like, I'm sorry, let's move past it heal the divide so the country can move forward but he, he didn't do that because he doesn't want to he wants to keep the divide open so yeah no I don't agree with it don't agree with it at all <laughs> fair yeah yeah. I, I think I mean not kind of follow what Anthony I mean as the president I mean just to be to honor the position that you're in yeah I'm sorry that this all happened and that we had to that that somebody felt strongly enough about the actions that I take that they had to take this action because impeachment is a very serious action to take. Absolutely. And to just dismiss it like he did, and then, I mean, literally he went on the attack. <laughs> um, yeah, not not the, not, not the thing to do. No. Well, not only did he go on the attack, but he's apparently now cleaning house. Uh, so it's I look at it two ways. Trump is responding the way us normal everyday human beings would respond if somebody attacked us, right? Fair. He's he's being human. You came at me and it didn't work. Now I'm gonna tell you about yourself. Um the, the, <laughs> and you know, he's he's acting like, you know, like a lot of people would who would be upset and angry but vindicated at the same time. I think the challenge and the, the, the lack of maybe the understanding is that he's not like you and I. And um, unlike the rest of us who can have private conversations or even social media battles um, <laughs> with each other about sorts of things, when he says a thing, it has uh, serious repercussions. Mm-hmm. It, it causes some really big ripples in, in the American pond. And I, and I think that it does contribute to further divisiveness and creates uh, an environment of us versus them. They tried to get us, but we won. How 
dividing the country makes us great is, is, is an understanding that I'm challenged with. I don't, I don't quite understand the end game here. Um, if you're not of this one part, are we trying to become a one party country? Is that what we're fighting for? Are we trying to truly be a democracy, which allows people to bring all these different thoughts to the table? So I'm, I'm just really unclear, but you know, I see where he's coming from. You know, somebody came at me, you know, <laughs> let's, let's play, <laughs> bring it. Yeah. But if I have the responsibility of being a leader or a parent or a teacher or a governor or a mayor, I have a responsibility to think of how um, I, I need to make this work for everybody. So when when I read the poll, my immediate response was obviously not right. Like, I, I feel I feel as though a good number of people have said this in better words than me. But one of my one of my cousins is in the military and. He doesn't necessarily, I mean, he's, he's a military man. He, he understands, you know, like following orders and not necessarily questioning leadership. But there's a lot of people in the military who feel there's like a, I forget, he, there's a specific like name or phrase for it. But he's, it's basically the idea that if you are a leader, you need to hold yourself with the amount of professionalism that you want your squad to follow. And he's... He's not as politically versed as, as most of the other people that I talk to often, but he doesn't like Trump specifically for that reason. Uh, th there's lots of you know things that he can pick apart and maybe choose to like or dislike. We've had lots of really fun conversation about gun control, but um, he specifically doesn't like Trump because he does not like the way that Trump holds himself in comparison to basically every other president to have ever existed. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I agree with that. However, in I, I try my hardest not to hate him because there, I, I think there is a lot of benefit in understanding how Trump works yeah. and understanding what created Trump and, and what he's doing to America. Because I think that a lot of people don't understand exactly what's happening here. But that we, we don't have to get into all of that right now. That That's a big discussion for a different day. Oh, yeah. um, but obviously, given the, the course of recent events, it is important that we talk about the trial. Yeah. Yeah. The trial. <laughs> um, I knew I should have been absent. There's a lot of things yeah. to unpack here, mm -hmm. but I, I want to focus on three things specifically. Um, first is a question, an open-ended question to you all. Was it doomed from the start? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I agree, yes. Why do you feel that way? Well, it's a numbers game. So bringing up charges is not enough. While you can stain somebody's record with an impeachment, uh, fine, that's historically going to be with him. He doesn't see it that way. He doesn't get it. He's, he sees it like you go to court, somebody charges you with a crime, and the judge decides that, or the jury decides that you're not guilty. So therefore, that, that original charge doesn't, doesn't hold. So he doesn't see it as anything. And because of that, the people who follow him don't see it as they don't under, uh, I don't want to say they don't understand, but they're not treating it as such. Right, but... The original thinking that there was not enough numbers or votes in the Senate was the right thinking, right? Um, there just wasn't the number there. I think that 
they should have charged ahead with policies. And if you're going to be against a person, you really want to show the differences between where they stand on the policies and where we stand. A lot of time has been lost to a losing strategy. And that's, you know, that's just my two cents. I said that's pretty fair, yeah. Uh, I mean, I was going to, yeah, I think it was doomed from the start. You know, we, we talked about some of this earlier, but I don't think it's possible to remove a president at all. I don't think it's ever been possible in American history. Um, Nixon resigned basically because he had he had enough respect for the office that he didn't want to force the other members of his party to really take the vote to remove him. Mm-hmm. In part because he was a he was a Republican politician and he had working relationships with those people. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to call their bluff, even when they told him, you know, we have enough votes to remove you. He didn't want to call the bluff. Trump obviously is is not a career politician, and so he doesn't have any particular relationship to those people. So he was okay calling their bluff. And I think what it made people realize is you could never remove a president because the bar is so high that I don't think you could ever clear it. Um, you know, if you if you go back and look at like what the the founders what they wrote about impeachment, they were well aware that like the political reality of impeachment was really hard I mean they wrote about this mm-hmm. like they knew that this is a political act and we're they weren't they weren't actually positive you could ever pull it off we talked about this but you look at what's happening to Mitt Romney he's get, I'm sure he's getting death threats now mm-hmm. yeah that, that would not surprise me yeah and if you just ask you know, most of us around this table you know I've got kids Francine you've got kids Josh you recently married mm-hmm. If someone said, will you do something that will put the life of your wife or our kids on the line, even if I knew it was the right thing to do, I can't, I, I can't tell you that definitively I would say yes, right. because uh, those, those are, that's my wife and my family. Right. right. If the cost of doing the right thing is someone has to put their wife and kids on the line, then mm-hmm. that's too high a price for most people. They just won't pay it. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think you could ever impeach a president no matter what they did. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> so um, a question popped into my head as you said that about not being able to impeach a president. And, and the reason why it popped up is when we look at Nixon, Nixon's, Clinton's, and Trump's, well, we had divided Senate and House. We had, you know, different majorities in each of the houses. What would happen if we had the same majority in the House? If we had majority Democrats in in the Senate and the House and we trying to reach Republicans. So I don't think it's impossible, but like you said, the bar is set pretty high and, the, yeah. and that was purposefully set. But I don't this to answer the question overall, um, this was not this was this trial was not going to be fair at all. I mean, they basically made it the case very clear that we're not going to be an impartial jury. It's like we're not going to do this. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen it. I mean, the the Democratic House didn't do it. The Senate didn't do it to right. Clinton. Yeah, I mean, I'll follow up to clarify because you, you you did raise a good point, Frank. I want to clarify. I think it would be possible if the presidency was the opposite party of both the House and the Senate. If you had, you know, sixty five Democrat senators, he would have been removed. If that was the case, 
you could impeach a president. I also think that if that was the case, you would see it weaponized to remove. Mm. Like, if the Republicans had had 60 votes in the House and the Senate, they had had those majorities against Obama, they would have removed Obama from office. Because mm. they were they were chattering about it when he was still there. They just didn't have the votes to do it. So I think you would actually see impeachment weaponized to remove presidents. The, the, the whole impeachment mechanism, just structurally, it's bad. I mean... I mean, it's an old system. It's an old system. Right. You know, we lament what we saw just now, but you know, when you look at Clinton... I have said, I don't know if I've ever said it on, on like this show, but I've said it to my dad privately. I thought Clinton should have been removed from office. Mm-hmm. This has been my stance for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think that what he did, he should have been removed because mm-hmm. he lied under oath and he tried to convince Monica Lewinsky to lie under oath in order to cover up his infidelity. That's actually impeachable because mm-hmm. what it, to me, that's deserved to be removed from office because it suggests that the president believes he is above the law mm-hmm. and that the president believes that things like lying under oath do not apply to him and that he should be able to pressure his subordinates, which is what Monica Lewinsky was. She was a vulnerable subordinate who he had complete control over her career mm. and he wanted to convince her to lie under oath to protect him from the fact that he cheated on her. Like, yeah, it's not as bad as what Trump did, but the idea that like, well, no, actually, the president shouldn't be able to do that. Like, right. So that's been my stance. But the fact that not one Democrat senator voted to remove Clinton indicates that like, the political cost, if you're a member of the president's party, it's too great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a fair sentiment. Or does it mean that they truly believe that the charges haven't reached the point of high crimes and misdemeanors? I mean, I don't really know what that means to people. They're chattering about it. That's old English language. And I don't think it's something that we use in everyday speak or colloquial speak. But high crimes and, and misdemeanors, the way that I was led to believe it when I studied uh, U.S. American history was anything that jeopardizes the trust of the people in your ability to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the misdemeanors part, why that part is so uh, significant because that really addresses that. And uh, apparently um, the elected body, their trust is intact in both cases with Clinton and with uh, President Trump. So it's it's an interesting theater. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, there's there's one more thing I want to go ahead and, and add to this, and it's something I mentioned before when we were having a, a, another conversation. This is the first time you probably heard this from me, Francine. Um, so I, I think that one of the things that makes Trump so hard to combat mm-hmm. in today's America is that he has what I call the Trump safety net. Um, it, it's it's a bit of a conspiracy theory, so follow me. Okay. I, I think that Trump's actions are impossible to change because they are not only his actions, but the actions of many of the people under him as well. And so if anyone tries to question the actions of President Trump, it means that the people under him have to make sure he can't be held accountable because if he is, they have to as well. I get the logic there. I, I get the logic and we're in this together. And actually, I think there's some truth to that. Conspiracy theories aside, if you listen to the way that he speaks about how we were vindicated, how we have overcome, how they tried to get us, but we have won. The language alone lends itself to the theory that you've put on the table and that people feel it personally. They feel personally invested in the rise and fall of this president because he's done a very good job of 
uh, utilizing a narrative that makes them feel like they're all at this table together and they're all planning together. Um, I'm still curious about the end game here uh, because while they might be driven, as, as President um, Trump has said, to be up in arms if he's not reelected, uh, he gets to jump out of that fight. That'll be another fight avoided. Yep. <laughs> but um, a lot of people could be going down a, a very dangerous path, and I'm concerned about our country, and I'm concerned about some Americans who might follow that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a, yeah, everything you said there is true. I mean, I wish it. I, I mean, I desperately wish it wasn't. But uh, one of the big differences, one of the big differences here is that a, a lot of conservatives conceive of these fights as existential threats mm -hmm. to their lifestyle and their reality. Yeah. And if you conceive of something as an existential threat, then you would do anything in the world to combat it and defeat it up into including the extermination of the other party. Mm -hmm. So when you say, like, do they want a one-party country, the answer, is, I think, is yes. Mm -hmm. Because they don't just conceive of Democrats as an opposing political party. They conceive of Democrats as a threat to everything they hold dear. Right? Mm -hmm. Democrats say, if the other side wins, we can work with them and we'll still try to get stuff done. They say if the Democrat wins, they're going to destroy everything we stand for. Yeah. So how does that work with the Constitution? How does that work in a democracy? But I, I think the only reason why people <laughs> That's my don't, question to self. <laughs> right. And, and, and anyone who's educated on how politics works. See, we have to be careful there because quietly as it's kept, people say every time we say that we're calling someone a deplorable. Someone somewhere <laughs> yeah. is hearing that. That's fair. OK. OK. Maybe, maybe I can see that. I can see that. So maybe I, some people who are informed on this yeah, issue. I, I yeah. Mean, I, so I have said this before, you know, when you, you try to think about how the other side may look at it. Mm -hmm. and, and so I have said, you know, like if, if you take the issue of, this is a hot button issue. Okay. So like you take abortion. Mm -hmm. If you actually conceive of abortion mm -hmm. as murder, mm -hmm. if that is how actually how you see it, then taking the stance that it should never be legal is actually a reasonable stance, if that's what you think it is. Because your stance is like, murder should never be okay, mm -hmm. right? And so when you mention like, you know, how we talked about, like right. if they see the world a certain way, then their stance actually makes sense to them. <laughs> if you legitimately think the government will take your guns, then fighting that at all costs is actually a reasonable response if you believe government tyranny is what will occur if the other side wins. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, you know, that complicates the thought process, uh, how I how I think about their views. It, it tends to moderate me, especially as I started looking at it, it moderates me, but so I, I don't know where democracy, I don't know what we do with all this, but <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't know. You know I don't know I mean? where we are. Yeah. I just, I'm just gonna keep walking. I just, <laughs> yeah. in, in today's political climate, I don't think there's, a, there's an easy answer or, mm -hmm. or an an answer in general. I, I feel like we, we we need to cover a lot of ground before an answer is obtainable. Yeah. Um, but actually, to to your point, Francine, you're, you're right. I, I can't. I I tend to use those words a lot mm -hmm. because I I like to believe that people who know more mm -hmm. make different 
and in my opinion, smarter decisions. There you go again. But <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. You so so like, you that's like co- a coffee shop. Like, your your coffee, your latte, and your yeah, degrees. Like, <laughs> like I read something once. It was like the more education people get, it's not that it changes their mind; it's that they actually just come up with more justifications for why they believe. So mm-hmm. the difference between someone with a high school and a college degree is like a high school person may come up with five reasons. A college person will believe the same thing, but they'll have like 15 reasons. And I think that, and based on some of the professors that I had, and if you look at the Ball State situation with a, a pref- professor who called the police on an African-American mm. man for changing seats, I have to believe that he's an educated person, otherwise he wouldn't be in his position. I think instead it's less about education and more about exposure. It's more about exposure to ideals and philosophies, lifestyles, cultural perspectives that take us out of the me I'm me, I'm right all the time into like, okay, I might be right about this, but looking at this through this person's eyes, I think they're right about that. I think they're right. I get that. And when you really look at life in that way, it, it does become more complicated. And the, and it's harder to say absolutely yes or absolutely no, but it also makes it easier to compromise. Fair. That's fair. Okay. Okay. So I'll hold that. That's on me. That's on me. See, changed opinions even on Pointcast today. Even on Pointcast. We're all growing. We are. We are. So, um, we, we can we can we can dive out of that. that, that that's a lot. And there's still a lot to even be said um, about that and and the trial and the divisiveness here in America. But um, speaking about other things in politics recently, okay. um, Iowa. Everybody has a lot to say about what's been happening in Iowa. Somebody break it down for the people in the back. Please. Yeah. I've been so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Since this story broke, for like oh three days, God. I've just been thinking, I really hope Josh brings up Iowa. <laughs> I treat politics very seriously. As you should. But this, this is right for just joking and just straight clowning on this nonsense. Look, we said this earlier, yeah. you had one job. Right. You actually had one job. <laughs> it was literally the only job you had was to tell us who won the damn caucus, man. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys, you wanna go, we want to go first. We take pride in going first. We're so important. That's cool. But with that comes the responsibility of right. not screwing it up mm-hmm. for everybody else. Honestly, <laughs> it's so it's so bad. There's so many... <laughs> Different reasons. First off, not only do they have a, the caucus system where everybody goes and you say who you support and then they reshuffle and then you take another round of voting until someone wins. It's like, we're not going to break down the whole caucus here. That would be too long. But like, it's needlessly complicated. Mm-hmm. Theirs is more complicated than most other caucuses. Mm-hmm. The reason they're going first is because way back in the day, they actually said our system's so complicated, we need extra time to decide Huh. Like, this was the reason way back in the day. Right. Their justification right. was like, we need more time to count our votes. Mm. Wait, <laughs> oh, are they sure. still counting? I'm confused. <laughs> are they still counting? Because they had paper ballot uh, backups, right? Yeah. they? I think so. Or are they still trying to make that app work? But, that, <laughs> the app, so. <laughs> Uh-oh, I pressed the button. I'm just going to well, say, I'm, a, I'm oh, standing down. When there are too many buttons. So, right. Anthony in, has a lot to say on in this. A system... That depends on transparency. Mm. You have an app designed by a company whose name is Shadow. The company's name is actually Shadow. Holy smokes. Oh my gosh. Why? 
What? Who was like, yeah, the company whose name is Shadow would be a great idea for a system that needs. Wait, wait, wait. Are they owned by the Russians? I just want to. I mean, maybe. (laughs) Can I honestly say? I don't think I think they're still counting votes because I think they're just like I just saw this today. I think that like mm-hmm. there are still counties where they yeah. they think they're wrong. Yeah, they just didn't. I, I, I think they're gonna. So honestly, at this point, I think you I think you should throw out Iowa completely. I don't think you can even trust the results you could get. It'd be mm. weird, but you're just gonna have to wipe those delegates off the board. Like, didn't they do that? Like in 2008, didn't they just like not count Michigan? With, oh, with I think you're right. Yeah. That's like, right. Yeah, they can yeah. just not count a state. Can we just all agree we should just like, <laughs> not, not count Iowa at this point? You I mean, considering you, you needed a week, you didn't get it done. Right. You just don't count. So one of the things I wanted to I wanted to bring up about this uh, because obviously this is um, this is an issue on several different levels and of several different severities. But the thing that I'm really curious about, at least in you guys' opinions, is it, do you think that this kind of thing is a problem specific to Iowa? Or is this possible and possibly an issue anywhere else in America right now? I don't know. It's just embarrassing. Yes. I mean, (laughs) right now it's like the thing you can say to not vote for any Democrat almost just simply because they can't do this one part. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm embarrassed for them. God love them. It's this, but this specific problem I think is largely specific to Iowa because just not a lot of states use caucuses, which are just inherently more complicated. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So, like Nevada uses a caucus, but I think it's a simpler one, and they're not mm-hmm. using this weird app, mm-hmm. which hopefully, fingers crossed. But like, <laughs> so like this specific problem is largely, largely about Iowa. The 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 thing that's been weird is that. You know, initially I was working on a piece about this, and Francine and I exchanged. Yeah, we emails. talked about this, which is so timely and right. Almost <laughs> right. like we foreshadowed something. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I realized when we were working on a piece, I had come to a conclusion that wasn't justified, which is that we need to overhaul the entire process, and that's the conclusion a lot of you see going around a lot. But right. that's not justified by the problems in Iowa, because like that was suggested, you just need to fix Iowa. Right. So, so like, there's two things here. It's like the the primary system is broken, and then mm-hmm. Iowa specifically right. is, is broken is. for different <laughs> reasons on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are bad all on your own inside of a bad system that also needs to go. Mm-hmm. Like Iowa could just hold a primary and they wouldn't have had this problem, but you still have a bunch of other problems. But also fair. Yeah. Yeah. So Anthony, in 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 your in your <laughs> yeah. pseudo uh, professional opinion, do you believe that the events in Iowa were malicious and or intentional? Or is this just a, a large bit of either inaccuracy or incompetence? Is, is this intentional or not? I vote incompetence. What is the old thing they say like, like, like never, like never attribute to malice that which could be explained by incompetence. Mm. Like, that's a good phrase. Mm. That okay. 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 That's a Facebooker. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, this is just stupidity. It's just. It's rampant stupidity. <laughs> I mean, so part of what happened is after the last, you know, after 2016, a lot of the Bernie supporters were mad about how Iowa happened because he was declared the loser, even though it was a very close vote. Mm-hmm. So they actually tried to make the process a little 
better, a little more rewarding because they realized there were some problems. That's actually one of the reasons they got here. Yeah. They actually tried to fix it from last time. This is the fix. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, right? I know, right? That's what happens, though, right? You just keep, like, layering one more, you know, if you're building a house of cards, you just keep going higher and higher and higher. And you're like, oh, no, but the base is really unstable. That's why it's called a house of cards. You can't keep layering layers of complexity on top of this system. That's what they tried to do. And yeah, that's what. Listen, I don't. I don't think it was malice. It was just stupidity. Unbelievable, <laughs> historical stupidity. So, so I, I have a question, though. Historical. So, um, this I've always heard. You know, people concerned about the relevancy of Iowa being so important in in this whole process. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this has affected them as far as being the first and being the being as influential on the race as they have been before? I, I mean, I. I cannot see a scenario where the DNC goes to Iowa first ever again. I, I just I, I just, think it should affect them being first. Yeah, I mean, I to answer there, there's there what I think will happen to address your question directly. I think they will just move a different state to number one and ask Iowa to simplify their process. Mm -hmm. What should happen is that there should just be a national primary day, but. That would require a huge overhaul. Yeah. Um, Four yeah. years off. In the revised piece I'm writing, that's what I'm going to be writing about. But like, what I think is okay. going to happen is they'll just move another more representative state up to number one, mm -hmm. which will create a whole different set of problems. Mm -hmm. No state is representative of the whole country. Mm -hmm. If any state goes before the other states, it's actually a problem. That's, that's why I'm giving you the eye right yeah. now. You know, like, representative. <laughs> I think it's trying to move one state up because right. it'd be much easier than having trying to states go together. Right. Change everything, right. yeah. yeah. So they're, they're going to come to a, a bad fix mm -hmm. for this problem. But, like, but it's still a bad problem. It'll still be a bad problem. Wait a okay. minute. I'm concerned about something. I think Republicans are unusually quiet <laughs> about, uh, about all of this. I haven't seen any like really glaring tweets. I mean, about this, how I mean, uh, do, do they had... really need to at this point? <laughs> I think I think that this, I mean it's just an easy one. Is, it's low hanging I mean, fruit. You're right. I mean, yeah. I saw a tweet that sums it up real perfectly from a, from a, a writer, a sports writer I follow. And he was like talking about how much of a debacle this was for Democrats, and he said, uh, like they think they could beat Trump, but they couldn't beat a bowl of eggs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I, I mean, that's why Republicans are saying anything. Of course, they're thrilled. Right. Yeah. Like, like their work was done for them. They don't need to do anything here. Democrats look so stupid right now. <laughs> so embarrassing. It is. It is. <laughs> so, I had another another thing I wanted to talk about because this was this was something that um, I thought was. Interesting. It's a bit of a hot take on a current a current problem, um, but I don't I don't know if we have the time for it this episode. Maybe it's something we can we go can for it. Let's go for it. Make it happen. Yeah. Okay. So I know you guys are aware of the spreading of the coronavirus. Um, it's something that's kind of been on a lot of news cycles because it's something that's very um, dangerous and it's picking up speed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are comparing it to the flu, and that's that's not really what I'm here to debate right now. I think that the the more important issue that I think we're facing with the spread of the coronavirus is specifically where it came from and how people in America are responding to that. Um, that the issue that I have is how the intrinsic racism of America affects our response <laughs> to 
the coronavirus. Mm. Let me explain what I mean. Okay. So I, I'm not, when I say this, I'm not likening these two things. I'm saying that the American response was similar, okay? Mm -hmm. I think that when 9-11 happened, the American populace said, we don't like anyone who looks like these people, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, wanna, we wanna do everything we can to stop everybody who looks like these people who have caused this problem mm -hmm. for Americans, mm -hmm. right? We, I mean, we, we saw the same thing in like World War II with the Japanese people. And I think we're seeing a lot of similar things. It's not, it's not maybe on, on a, such a grand of a scale, but I, I think that there's a lot of hysteria around the coronavirus that has a lot to do with one, us not understanding it as a, as a disease just yet. And two, because they're Chinese. Like there's there's a lot of people that and this is the reason why I brought up it originally is that they're liking it the liking it or likening it uh, to the flu because one it has similar flu symptoms um, for those of you who aren't already aware but um, the the issue that a lot of people have with that comparison is that the flu has a much larger sample size mm -hmm. than the current spread of the coronavirus mm -hmm. and we don't know personally as as, as someone who's who's familiar with the, the bit of a science behind an epidemic, um, we don't know if it's going to change at all, where we know the flu does change and we're prepared for that normally when that happens. Um, obviously, we're, we're not always because, you know, strains and all that other good stuff. We don't need to get into that now. Um, but ultimately, I think that that the, the problem that you're seeing with today's America and the spread of the coronavirus and the hysteria around it is specifically because it came from a place in China. I think if it if it was anywhere else with people that we we see a lot more of in America, if it had come from like somewhere in Africa or if it had come from a European nation, there would not be as many people crazy about it as we see right now. What do you guys think? Ooh. Wow. That's a meaty one. It I, is. I think I mean I think you're right. I'll just say start off. I I think you're right. I think it's it's really interesting because the world has become more connected by corporate means, right? Which is to say that, you know, corporations are powering the globalization of the world because mm -hmm. it's in their best interest. Yeah. Problem is that the cultures have not caught up to that globalization in the same way. The corporate world sees us as a unified world with which to make money off of, but we don't see ourselves that way. We see ourselves as divided, mm -hmm. us versus them. Mm -hmm. That's not how they see it. They see the Chinese market as the biggest market in the world. We should be there to make money. But mm -hmm. we have a tendency to see them as others. And so you're right. It does. You know, it. that underlying racism, it, it impacts the way we see everything. I mean, whether it's the coronavirus or the Obama phone program or <laughs> healthcare, everything is like, like racism is the thing beneath all of it. That you can't, you can't really ever get away from. It. I mean, it's America is inherently racist. Yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, and that that's, that just goes to who who this country is and what it has been. Is is any time that anything comes up that they don't understand or they feel threatens their. Oh God, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for right now, but you know, they feel like it's affecting them. And any time it comes out of somebody outside of, and I hate to put it like this, outside of that circle, yeah, they, they view it as negative. But if it comes from inside of their circle, it's like, oh. And I kind of, the thing that kind of jumps to my mind is when we talk about 
um, say mass shootings or any time a shooting comes up, if it's if it's if it's one of them, make a plan. It's one of them. <laughs> you hear the arguments of mental issues or, you know, something else had to be going on. If it's outside of them, then it's terrorists, thug. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You you get all these other negative uh, connotations with it. So, I mean, this is just this is just America showing its colors or I lack think, of. I think when I'm challenged <laughs> by um, I hear and, and unfortunately I agree with everything that everyone said because it's just the reality but I also am troubled by um, people talking about their concerns about getting their factories going again mm. and trying to rush these people back into the work so we can get our stuff through Amazon a little bit faster yep. <laughs> because we're all mm. connected economically. Mm -hmm. And uh, the in the, I guess it's the inconvenience factor of it all, the inconvenience that this has caused uh, people who want their stuff or the money that um, American companies fear that they're going to lose over the next few weeks because they are all of their production takes place there and they just do the distribution here and so they don't have any products to distribute and so now every day is is you know millions of dollars lost um, that troubles my conscience to hear you know on one hand people dying and on the other hand, people upset that they're not going to get their widgets or their money. I mean, there's, there's a values issue here. I absolutely yeah. agree. I think that's a different that's a different part of it that more people aren't talking about. Yeah. For for really a lot of different problems in America, but this is I think where it's one of the most flagrant. Where like we're we're seeing literal lives in danger here, and, yeah. and mm -hmm. people are focusing on things that aren't or that shouldn't be as important yeah in my opinion no i mean that's right and we're, we're gonna have to start seeing ourselves it's like very pollyanna-ish very naive sounding of course but like we really do have to start seeing ourselves as a larger community mm -hmm. because like the epidemic risk is real mm -hmm. yeah like like when people mm -hmm. when you look at the science and the medical stuff yeah. behind it like the risk of a real epidemic is strong yeah mm -hmm. you go like if we don't start seeing ourselves as more united and actually able to work across cultures and across boundaries and across borders like mm -hmm. yeah you are going to get some crazy epidemic type disease which is going to do untold damage mm -hmm. and kill millions of people yeah mm -hmm. um because part of what happened here is you know, to, to sort of unite something, to unite the threads together in a way, you know, with what you said, Francine, mm -hmm. China apparently was very slow to disclose it in part right. because of the economic danger that they mm -hmm. knew they would face. Yep. Mm -hmm. But that's saying that they view the economic danger as at least as important as the actual human toll, not only to their country, but to the rest of the world. Which say like we've got our priorities. Really screwed up completely mm -hmm. right like you you were willing to risk this escaping because you didn't want us to punish you or take our factories back to the u.s like yeah all thinking all the thinking was wrong-headed here mm -hmm. right and it's gone from epidemic to possibly pandemic meaning yeah. global yep. yeah and um so i i hope that moving forward um, we have the right values in place to address this disease because um, 
it's for real. A lot of people have become ill. Yes. A lot of people are dying. And, uh, I, you know, death doesn't know anything about the American flag or <laughs> anything like that. So I, I hope we can get to a better place on issues like this. I absolutely hope we can as well. Um, one of the things that's been said in a lot of these recent episodes is uh, the idea that we need to get together and we need to or we, we need to be more together, both as a as a global economy and as a American um, society. But more specifically, I think it, it's it's important now more than ever to view human lives as exactly that human lives. I think there's a lot of things happening uh, both in the world and today uh, that will be at the very least different if we if we shift our values in in a different direction. So th thank you guys for hanging out with me today. This is a lot of uh, very interesting things that I wanted to bring up. I told you the last one was going to be a curveball. I told oh, you. Yeah. I told oh, you. Yeah. It, was. it was. So um, thank you everyone at home for for hanging out with us. We we very much appreciate your presence here. Um, if you haven't already, go ahead and check out the Facebook page. We share things there almost every day. Um, Absolutely check out those polls. I, I would like to see more interaction with those if you can, because those are very interesting things. And I would like to have more discussion about those if we can uh, on the page. So check us out on Facebook. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts and especially the website pointcast.news. Uh, I've been your host, Josh. Gail, we're out. <laughs>